Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 109 of the Tuesday Night Comics Podcast. Today is Tuesday, February 2nd, 2016. I am Billy, and with me, as always, is Dave. Hey, guys. And we're here to talk comic books. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, uh, let's talk some comic book TV shows uh, first. Did you watch DC's Legends of Tomorrow? I did. I did. Um, the the second episode? Yeah. You know what? I take that back because I'm good. I want to talk all spoilery on it and I don't want people to turn off the podcast immediately if they haven't watched it yet. Yeah, let, we could talk about that in the uh, when we when we're reviewing books, maybe. Yeah, okay, that's a good idea. In the meantime, in the meantime, in between time, um, let's uh, let's talk news. Yeah, let's talk news. Um, so uh, Man Crush of Tuesday night movies. Yeah, uh, uh, Peter Tomasi. That that's the one. That is the one. He is. Uh, that's he's, a joke. I almost said Ryan Philippi. <laughs> uh, <What>? Yes. <laughs> Sorry, you were runner up, Ryan. Um, but he's coming out with a new book from Dark Horse in April, um, called House of Penance. Yeah, I'm excited for this. This is like a creative own series, right? Yeah, and it's um, it it's based on a true story but like you know he you know it's you know like kind of like historical fictionish you know yeah. like where he gets to play up some stuff because it's it's falls in the horror genre mm. but uh it's set in in the west during the early 1900s and he tells the story of a real life winchester house built by sarah winchester as a penance for her family's connection to the winchester rifle um and so it sounds like she was a very tortured soul. So um, there's another comic that did this too. Oh, really? Like maybe Preacher. Oh, maybe. I remember, or maybe Neil Gaiman did it in like a an issue of Sandman. And I oh, yes, I think so. I think Swamp now that you're... Swamp Thing. That's what it was. Alan Moore did it in Swamp Thing. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. There's a. Is this the house that like you open doors and like they go to nowhere? Uh, no, this was a house that, like, it was uh, basically haunted by the ghosts of people who had been killed with guns. Oh, whoa. Um, yeah, and I don't know uh, if if it was, yeah, it, it, yeah, it was Swamp Thing number 45. And I, it's funny just because I had just recently read Alan Moore's Swamp Thing, or else there's no way I remember it. But right, it was right. one of I was the like, cool I remember doors and old houses in Sandman. That sounds right. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, it was called the uh, the the Manchester Mystery House, which is a a giant mansion begun in 1884 by Sarah L. Winchester. Um, but yes, yeah, so it was haunted by all the ghosts of people who've been killed with in in, in gun violence, basically. Wow. And and uh, a Swamp Thing story, a one and done Swamp Thing story, ends up taking place there. It's actually a great Swamp Thing issue, and I definitely recommend uh, people checking it out. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I don't know why it's like, it just felt like so familiar. I'm like, wait a second, I've heard of this before. Yeah, so I guess this is going to be like, you know, telling the story of that house. Oh, that's um, interesting. Without Swamp Thing. <laughs> without Swamp Thing. Great. Um, a little bit more real, but I'm guessing it's going to veer on the fantastic side as well. Mm. Yeah, I was like, wait, I've read a horror comic about this already. Where? <laughs> but, but yeah, no, and I'm sure, you know, uh, Peter Tomasi writing it, it's going to be great. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. And uh, I think I think we'll definitely be reading it here on Tuesday Night Movies. 
or yeah. comics. And it, it is something that it looks like he's taking a different take on it than Alan Moore did. Alan Moore seems to have focused on the, like, the victims of gun violence, while this seems to be more about Sarah Winchester herself and her guilt surrounding her, what her family business was. Right. And then this uh, similarly tortured soul that she meets in one of the, the construction workers and like maybe their romance or their friendship. Mm. Uh, and, and I feel like Tomasi's always great with like interpersonal relationships. Like just look at the father son stuff with Damien and Bruce and Damien and Dick and Ben mm -hmm. and Robin. Um, yeah, that's, that's awesome. This, I think this is going to be a great book. Do we know when it's coming out? Um, April. April. Oh, wow. Right around the corner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's two months from now. Oh, cool. This is a book that if people are interested in it, they should let their store know because I feel like Dark Horse Comics don't get overordered. Yeah, you're right. Like, right. I feel like, and and I, I think we've seen a big push from Dark Horse to, to show, like, all the creative own stuff that they do, and they do a lot. And um, an image kind of is, like, touted as, like, the, the big company for that. And I don't know if that's always necessarily true, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so there you go. Like, it's it's just, you know, don't forget like Dark Horse, Oni, Top Shelf. Like they they all, you know, put out like some really great work. Right, like I, I could see this being overlooked the way Lady Killer was overlooked in the orders and then ends up going to a bunch of different print runs. I agree, I agree. Um, and now I saw the big news over the weekend that we're getting a new Justice League cartoon on the Cartoon Network. Yeah, yeah, and it's gonna, you know, kind of take cues from Teen Titans Go, um, which kind of has that like Looney Tunes type um, uh, vibe of of how they segment the show, where it's like like th two to three shorts. Mm. Um, I think it's more like maybe three or four shorts right. in a um, in a half hour episode. And so they're going to do the same thing. It's called Justice League Action. And it's going to be same kind of format, but not played for laughs, I don't think. Okay. You know, maybe a little bit, but it, it seems like it's, you know, more action superhero oriented, but it's going to be like one, two, three, punch, one, two, three, punch kind of thing. And well, I'm sure this is something that like older fans are going to enjoy. Looking at the animation style, it looks like it's aimed at kids, like less... You know, more so than even the, like the Bruce Tim Justice League cartoons were. Yeah, you know, it looks the animation style definitely looks like it sits in between like your Bruce Tim, um, Paul Dini, uh, Batman the Man animated series universe mm. and um, Teen Titans Go universe. You know, like I feel like these characters, if they showed up in the original Teen Titans cartoon. Uh, before they did the the funny Teen Titans Go, right. I think they would look like perfectly at home in there. Gotcha. Um, hmm. I'm excited about like all the classic Justice League cartoon voices that are coming back. Oh yeah. So the once retired uh, Joker voice, Mark Hamill, is coming back. How, how many times can Mark Hamill retire as the Joker? Like I, I feel like I feel like it's been two or three times. Already. Yeah. <laughs> He's, He's like, I'm never doing this again, but I'm coming back for the next video game. Right, right. He's like, never again will yeah. I do this. And then uh, and then he's like, Hova, coming out of retirement. Yeah. And, um, he's like the band Kiss. Oh, did they do the retirements a lot too? 
Oh my god, they retire like every other year. I just remember like Jay Z retiring like like when he was like twenty nine or something. Right after like the the black album, I think. Yeah, he was like, I'm done, and I was like, but you're you're retired. You're like, I don't feel like you're that much older than me. Yeah. And and then he's like, just kidding, made another album. I'm retiring again. To be fair, he really could have retired at that point because like he was worth so so much money. Yeah, I'm sure Luke Skywalker is not doing uh, too bad for himself. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> like, okay, yeah, like you do the Joker voice because you want to do the Joker voice, not right, like, right. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, oh, me, the guy who like they were centering like the search in the new Star Wars movie around. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, I'm sure he got a huge payday from that movie. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's just that's that stuff's funny, but um, yeah, I'm. I'm excited about that. They haven't announced who's going to be Superman or Wonder Woman, but Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman are going to be like in every episode, and then they're going to have a rotating cast of characters. Hmm. Interesting. And the poster art, uh, you could if you like look up Justice League action, you could uh, come across uh, the poster art really easily on Google. I think Newsarama has like a super big image, and I went and looked at all these sketches in the background of the poster um, where you could see like the different characters and, you know, Hawkman, Green Arrow, Zatanna, uh, Plastic Man, um, Blue Beetle. Um, It looked like Dexstar, the, the, the red alien or the red, the red lantern cat. Mm. Um, Vixen, Shazam, Flash, uh, you know, Martian Manhunter, Felix Faust. Um, There's a bunch of like, uh, people drawn that were kind of like blocked out. That I was like, I think that's Calabac. And then I'm like, that's a really interesting take on a guy. And like, they had this guy in a suit and he had a really big brow. And I was like, is that John Jones? Like, is that the Martian Manhunter's like secret identity? Or is that, is that Constantine? Are they putting yeah. Constantine in a kid's cartoon? That's really weird. And uh, so I don't know. So uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff here that, you know, a lot of characters, I'm not sure, but it looks like it's gonna have that fun rotating cast that Justice League Unlimited has. So, like, you know, you don't know who you're gonna get uh, next uh, episode, but you know, it's gonna be fun. Um, yeah, it really does look like Constantine because the way the 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 uh, the tie is undone and the you know his hair is just a little ruffled. Right. Uh, yeah. Whoa. That. I, I guess you could put Constantine in the kids' cartoon. Uh, it's just a little weird. <laughs> yeah, like what if one kid's like a kid's like, man, I love that John Constantine. I'm gonna go out and buy some books. Yeah, well, he's got the New Fifty Two comics to read. Like, yeah, I guess they're pretty tame. I uh, having just read three issues of Constantine this week. I was like, oh, this is why I never really got into Hellblazer. <laughs> like, I was like, this stuff is way too dark for me. Yeah, there's there's some really good stuff uh in that hellblazer run um i always it, it was a nice book that like when there was a creative team that i was interested in i would read it but like mm-hmm. i wouldn't read it all the time and i didn't feel like i was missing out on anything like um jumping in and out of arcs you know gotcha yeah it, it's uh it's a book that every now and again i jump on when i really like the creative team and then I'd be like, uh, yeah, this is not a book that I can really get into that much. It's way too dark. <laughs> like, 
like, and, and I was like, is this how some people like really see the world? Like, e. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but that's exciting. So I don't, I don't know if there was like an announced date, but my guess is look for it around the time or sometime after Batman Superman appears in the movie theaters. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, and it looks cool. And I, I do like, I do dig the animation style. It's, Although I always want everything just to be like classic Justice League Unlimited, but uh, this this looks really cool. I do dig the way Darkseid looks. He's very Kirby looking in that sketch. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, this uh, it's a cool animation style that they're using. I wonder who the chief designer is on the series. I don't know. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, um so also uh last bit of news uh is that it looks like legends of tomorrow next week is going to have the justice society of america in it that's exciting um and i watched it this week i i'm enjoying legends of tomorrow more than any of the other cw superhero shows i i i have not i did because i fell out of the flash very quickly and just like never really got back into it even though i know i'll enjoy it um and arrow you know that the acting never gets better <laughs> um, and uh and but uh, yeah and and gotham well gotham's not on cw but gotham's just terrible uh but legends of tomorrow man i don't know if it's just that i love the team aspect of it or like i love the slightly doctor who-ness of rip hunter that's going on but man i'm, I'm i love the first two episodes yeah, um, I I think I like Flash just a little bit better. Mm, I might like Flash better if I actually watched Flash. <laughs> um, but yeah, I feel like for me, it's definitely like Flash, you know, um, Legends of Tomorrow and then Arrow. Right. And um, I, I feel like uh, Supergirl like, and Arrow like jump back and forth in like uh, interest for me. Okay. Like, like who's higher and yeah gotham's kind of at the bottom of the list um my one my one problem with legends of tomorrow is sometimes it gets a little too comic booky like when uh they were at a um they were at a uh nuclear that, warhead auction yes and the the villains uh to say like they would you know accept that they would shoot guns in the air. Yeah. Like, I'm like, what kind of like, like comic book goofiness is this? Like, you know, it like, that's where like, I didn't like, it kind of loses me just a little bit. It gets a little too silly. Oh, um, I, I, I had no problem with that. It did remind me a little of like three amigos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It almost fell into the like hilarious category. And I'm like, yeah. I don't know if they were doing this to be, be hilarious i might start calling vandal savage el guapo <laughs> like he has the el guapo look to him yeah he's a very I, he, and vandal savage he's a very handsome man <laughs> and i like vandal savage the guy who plays it. i i didn't really uh like the hawkman and hawk girl actors them together it, it wasn't doing it for me uh yeah i i I like them. Um, I was just like, every time Hawkman's on screen, I'm like, he's like Chris Martin from Coldplay with muscles. Oh, I, you know, he looks to me like Jeff John's like more ripped cousin. 
Oh, that's funny. I feel like he looks like if Jeff Johns and um, Coldplay had a kid together. <laughs> and uh, and just like worked out all the time. Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, Jeff Johns is a pretty buff guy. Like every time I see a picture of him, he looks pretty muscular. Yeah, yeah. I think like Jeff Johns is like a pretty muscular guy for a regular guy. You know what I mean? Where like this guy's an actor and like that's his job, you know? Like he's like one level above Jeff Johns. Yeah, oh totally. Because he's like, what are you doing? Writing? He's like, I'm just lifting weights because I'm an actor. That's what actors do. They just lift weights. Yeah, totally. They don't totally. even get it. They're not like trying to go to acting class or anything. If, if any actors disagree, we dare you to come on here and prove Dave wrong. <laughs> come at Dave, actors. Come at me. Yes, come uh, at me, bro, not, actor, not, actor like, bros. Because you are in the gym a lot, but like maybe verbally we'll spar. Yeah, but... yeah, nothing. Yeah, it's like that episode of Friends when Chandler and Ross are going to get into like those two a fight uh, with those two bullies at the coffee shop. They're like, all right, Nothing above the neck, so I have to make a presentation. You know, <laughs> uh, below the belt, it's like we're trying to have kids. Um, so just torso, just torso. Uh, yeah, just, just Twitter. If you're gonna come at Dave, just Twitter, just Twitter, just Twitter, just Twitter. That's it. That's yeah, it. Yeah. Come on, he's up. Yeah, trying to keep as back off. Jeez. I... <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh... oh, and then there's another bit of news is that. Uh, I came across a really cool Kickstarter today. Oh, yeah. You sent me that today. Yeah. It was uh, Jamal Eagle, Carrie Randolph, and I forget who else. Let me just look this up real quick. Um, yeah, Jamal Eagle, Ka Carrie Randolph, um, Tim Smith Third, and Kwanzaa Asajefo, whose name I might be mangling, um, they have a, a Kickstarter for a new uh, comic book series that will be turned into a trade called Black. And the tagline is, in a world that already fears and hates them, what if only black people had superpowers? Um, and it, it looks awesome. Uh, and for, I'm in. For, I'm for, in. That, that alone, I'm like, oh, that's yeah. interesting. For 25 bucks, you get uh, DRM-free PDFs of all the issues as they come out, all six issues as they come out, which to me is, uh, and you get the uh, you get the the Kickstarter only black and white trade paperback when that, oh, nice. the book is done. So for the price of about uh, six issues, so let's say four dollars an issue when it comes out on Comicsology, um, for a dollar more you're getting the trade and you're getting it in PDF, so you could like you know look at it on any comic book app you want. Yeah, or any book app you want. Yeah, exactly. Like you can put it into, put it into a Kindle, you put it into Google, uh, yeah. or yeah. Um, and it it looks really cool. Uh, and they've got some cool rewards set up too, that uh, you can get um, a sketch by Jamal Eagle or or um, there you could get an interior page from Jamal Eagle if uh, you pledge three hundred dollars. You could get a sketch from either him or uh, Carrie Randolph. I'm sorry, um, him or Tim Smith III if you pledge $125. And then uh, there was another one uh, that looked really cool where you could have your likeness drawn into the comic. Yeah, you'd, you'd be like an extra. Um, I'm just afraid they'd make me like an evil policeman, though. <laughs> like, I'm the whitest-looking white guy. <laughs> <laughs> Right, like, 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 
the like if they're if they're gonna make somebody the evil the man right it's gonna end up looking like me yeah i don't know what i would i would end up as yeah um but but it it looks like a really cool project and like i'm really excited for it. i i actually had said a while ago i was going to stop back in kickstarters um on comiXology but this has made me change my mind and i think i'm in for at least 25 dollars here for the the uh the issues digitally and then the trade when it comes out yeah uh, i'm definitely gonna back this jamal eagle is one of my favorite creators and as soon as sterling gates was on that adventures of supergirl uh digital series right um i was like oh man i just i so hope that jamal eagle stops in for like at least one book right um <clears throat> i feel like dc didn't treat him well towards the end of uh his career there like it, it seemed like he did Supergirl, and like after that, they were like, uh, try this, try this, and then give him like a book to do on the new 52. And it, you know, I don't know, I, I thought he was one of like their best artists there. I, I feel like he tends to get overlooked by the major publishers, you know, he did, he had a great uh run on New Warriors, I believe. Um, and he's just like an overall great artist and he's a like a caliber of artist that marvel or dc they could put him on a top book like green lantern or a spider-man book you know and, and we don't seem to see him there that often yeah i mean the acting that he gets out of his you know his his like characters there's... yeah right. it's just it's phenomenal and i i started following him after firestorm oh okay he jumped on in the Jason Rush Firestorm. Right. So, like, after, I think it was, like, Chris Cross did that with um, Dan Jolly, and then Dan Jolly left, and ooh, I forget the writer. Um, but he came on as artist, and it, like, he made that book. Yeah. And, and Chris Cross is a tough act to follow, too. I, I remember when... He, I think he did the Peter David Captain Marvel run, if I if I remember correctly. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, he did. And he was stellar on that. Like his facial expressions, like he's another artist who is just great at like drawing emotions and you know, drawing acting. Yeah, I feel like Jamal Eagle's bodies and well, even faces, they like tend to be more realistic not as cartoony as crisscross mm, okay uh, or over exaggerated and, th and that's what i mean by cartoony right yeah. yeah so this is a really cool project if you go on kickstarter uh, go to the comic section look for look for black um or and it is it, they're, they're about a their their goal is thirty thousand. they're at eleven thousand. so you know if most of the month still to go so i'm hoping that they that they are able to fund this yeah that'd be awesome yeah um cool so let's uh let's talk more legends of tomorrow let's do, go in, in depth into this week's episode okay let's talk about I, it i think i actually like this episode better than the first one um i did too like it was less like you know expositional um i mean i think that kind of comes with the territory though and um that you know your first episode is gonna be a lot of explanation and right. you know, you're, you're kind of off and running and uh man like uh i i loved like my favorite part was the adam uh fight sequence okay um 
And it's funny, like my dad's favorite character is the Adam, right. and my brother's favorite character was Firestorm. I was hoping you were going to say your brother's favorite character was NFL Super Pro. Because as I'm <laughs> watching that episode, I'm like, this is the suit. Like, it, he looks like Super Pro while he's fighting. He does, yeah. I mean, it's very much like that Booster Gold outfit from the uh, like Justice late night. League Extreme or Extreme Justice. Extreme Justice, yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, it's it's done nicely. I think they're kind of like trying to draw in a uh, an Iron Man look oh, totally. for it. Um, Brandon Routh said when he was hired that they were asking him to play Ray Palmer a little more smarmy, kind of like. Uh, like a uh, Tony like, Stark. Gotcha. And then he's like, but I, he's like, that's just, he's like, I, he's like, I, I didn't feel natural doing that with this character. And he's like, and I, and then he started, you know, playing up the, like how much he loved doing everything that he was doing and like um, how like the writers just took to that. And I think that ends up working better because then, then you do just look like an Iron Man clone and you know, right. That, that's not good. That seems like an uh, you know uh, a boardroom note. Then you know, Iron Man's cool. Let's get an Iron Man character in here. Yeah, and that would come through so obviously that like you'd be like, oh, they're just trying to do Iron Man here. Right. Exactly. And uh, yeah, when he's shrinking and like beating up guys, I'm like, yeah. And uh, that was pretty awesome. And so was the scene with Firestorm where he like uh, uh, detonates the the warhead that was pretty cool yeah that was cool um yeah I, the, the whole episode was just like a lot of fun and i i like how like rip hunter's not joining them out there like fighting but like he's just so annoyed by all of them he's yeah. like oh you screwed it up again and yeah. like i'm just waiting for someone to be like what? what when are you coming out and and fighting with us you know it really feels like when the doctor would like chastise rory which always, it makes me giggle because it's basically like like rory has grown up and realized he's turned into his dad the doctor <laughs> even though you know the doctor's not actually his dad but whatever right right um yeah like i i, I i'm like wait how come his sonic screwdriver is shooting lasers oh right that's a gun he's not the doctor he's right he's right <laughs> on here um, um yeah now okay can we talk a minute about wentworth miller though because all right that He's just overacting to the extreme. That voice, that that swarmy voice that he puts on, like it was here in full effect this episode. Uh, my wife, who likes Wentworth Miller, like likes him a lot in Prison Break, watched this episode with me, and she was like, "What? What is he doing? Like he he just comes across like, eh, yeah, see, I'm Captain Cold, see." Yeah, yeah. I don't like, know. So many people love his Captain Cold, and I'm like. Like he's the breakout character in the Flash. I'm like, eh, I mean, yeah, I don't, yeah. I, I don't see it. Like he just, it, it's so over the top. Like that is silly comic book to me. Yeah, more, yeah. More so than the shooting the guns in the air at the auction is. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. Um, like at least uh, the guy who's playing Heatwave, Dominic. Uh, I'm blanking on his name. He seemed to tone it down a little bit this episode compared to the previous episode. Like I he, agree. He didn't growl through every line. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's kind of a little bit more like, hey, whatever, you know. Right. But but man, Wentworth Miller is just like, yeah, well, this is what I do because I'm a bad guy, Dr. Palmer, and 
I'm yeah. a survivor. I'm yeah. not going to give up. I will work harder. I will work smarter. I was like, wait yeah. a second. Those are just Destiny's Child lyrics, Wentworth Miller. Ah. A scrub is a guy that can't get no love from me. Yeah. That, that got a little uh, William Shatner-ish. Yeah, that did get a little William Shatner-ish. Yeah. Uh, it also got a little TLC. Wait, is that who's saying Scrubs? Yeah, Scrubs was a Destiny's Child. Uh, oh. Yeah. Ah, can you pay my bills, Rip Hunter? Can you pay my automobiles? <laughs> can you pay my telephone bills, Firestorm? Oh, and I, 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 I have to say, I, I, I am, I really love the like time travel paradox of, um, of you know, the older half of Firestorm meeting himself in the past. Yeah, that's that was really funny. And uh, and him being like offering them weed, um, you know, because he's so stod like Martin Stein is so stodgy, um, as like as an older character. But man, you see him as a youngster, and you're like, like everybody else even was like, "What is going on?" Yeah, I like who's like, "I'm a jerk to everybody, yeah. and I haven't changed." I'm really hoping that as part of their time travel adventures, they end up with on an episode of, like on the Titanic, um, just so that Victor Garber can interact with Victor Garber. <laughs> like, like I want Victor Garber. The designer of this, or yeah, he's the designer of the Titanic, right? Uh, I want him interacting with Martin Stein, being like, "This ship will never sink," and then Martin Stein's like, "Oh," and they're like, "Wow, you're really handsome." <laughs> um, so I got a question. Yes. What spoiler? Spoiler alert for anybody who did not watch. What did you think about uh, the the death? Yeah, I cannot believe they killed Hawkman in the second episode. That is. That is some Joss Whedon stuff that they pulled off there. Um, and it, but if you're going to kill any character, it makes sense to kill one of the two characters who's always reincarnating. This is true. And on top of that, it you know, like, I mean, you, you don't have to bring that actor back. You could bring another actor back. So you yeah. don't necessarily need to, like, stick with the same actor. On top of that, I think it makes the, you know, uh, the Vandal Savage becoming more powerful because of what they're doing. Mm, that's a good point. More, more real. Right. Now, here's a question. Okay, so uh, Hawkman reincarnates. Now, this was the Hawkman of 2016 who went back in time and died in 1975. So, does he now reincarnate in 1975, or does he reincarnate in 2016? Mm, I don't know. I don't know, I don't know what reincarnation and time travel like how do you, does that even happen? Yeah, how do those mix? Like, like well, I can tell you how in Zero Hour: Crisis in Time, written by Dan Jurgens. <laughs> Go on, I want to see where this is going. All the Hawk characters combined into one to create a Hawk God type character, right? Um, who had the lowest Hawkman cells ever? Yeah, that was, it, 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 I remember being excited for that when it came out, and then it being like awful and unreadable. Yeah, I rem I remember that too. I remember being like, "Oh, this is like all the Hawkmans yeah. combined into one. It's gonna be awesome!" And then you're like, "This isn't that good." Yeah, it was similar to when a company I worked for combined all of their customer service phone numbers into one line, and then it just became a never-ending phone tree. And you're like, "Oh, wait, <laughs> it was better when we had thirty phone numbers." That's for specific funny. departments. 
Um, yeah, that was. I just remember that panel of like him getting hit by like that rainbow beam of energy of I don't know hyper time or whatever, and like breaking up into all his disparate parts, and then he was like combined into the Hawk God. And yeah, it, yeah. Dan oh, time travel, man. He loves it. Uh, he really does. He goes back to that that and Doomsday. He goes back to those two wells a little too often for my yeah. taste. He's like, soon Doomsday will have time travel capabilities. And you're like, I saw that coming a million miles away, Dan Jurgens. I call it Dr. Doomsday. <laughs> uh, so, um, you know what else I read uh, or watched this week? What's that? Lucifer. I did not watch that. I did read uh, Lucifer, but I didn't watch it. How's the show? Uh, the show's pretty good. Um, it's a little... I, I love the parts where Lucifer's talking. Okay. Because um, he like does this great thing where he never lies, but mm. he's like very, you know... Cagey? Manipulative. Mm. Um, and he gets people to tell him you know their their darkest secrets and stuff and he comes across this police officer who you know really doesn't it, he, she's not affected by it and he's like he's kind of like baffled you know and and she, she intrigues him um mm. and uh so that's that's interesting and you know he's you know got his bar and his bar is interesting and he ends up talking to a psychologist, which is kind of fun. It's all kind of funny, interesting, but it's all wrapped around like a cop drama. And that's the one part that I don't like about it. Gotcha. Like, I feel like it's network TV, and they're like, we need something to wrap this around. It can't <laughs> just be Lucifer decided to come to Earth and just meddle in stuff because he's bored with hell. And we don't want it to fail like Constantine failed. Well, I feel like that's part of why Constantine failed. Yeah, that's a good it, point. He was, it was like a it cop was, drama. Yeah, it was like House. It was right, very, it was like Magical House. Yeah. And like, I feel like you got this market kind of covered with this like quirky, kind of funny humor in that like horror genre with iZombie. Right. And so now you have like another show that does is doing a similar thing, you know? And I don't know if like iZombie is so successful that you're like, let's make another one of those, you know? Um, and that's what it feels like, you know? So I kind of wish that, you know, I don't know, like, I don't know, like Californication was about a, a, a sex uh, addict who was a writer and was looking for his next book. And um, he didn't need to solve crimes to, like, make that show interesting. Yeah. And yeah. I, I, you know, like, that's kind of where, like, I'm just like, why does he have to solve crimes? Because it's a comic book? Like, I don't know. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, and it is weird, because, but, and I, and I, I wonder, yeah, if it's maybe because it's a network show and, like, you need to be on something like an AMC to, or maybe Showtime, you know, or HBO to be allowed to like plot it out slower. Like, right. Just be like, well, the premise is, is that Lucifer came to Earth and decides to open a piano bar. <laughs> That's your premise. Right. Yeah. 
But so. the Lucifer series, the first two issues of that that we read this week, is playing out very much like a Sam Spade mystery. It is. And uh, it is. That is, yes. But it, you're you're dealing with like higher powers there. You know, you're you're talking about like who killed God. Yeah. And I wonder you know? if Fox is afraid to like approach that. Like like, oh that's not a like that's not something we could, we could have the devil in our show, but we can't say that somebody killed God, you know? Right. And in yeah, this is like who killed um this like Hollywood starlet that he was a friend of, mm. which you're like, oh, like, meh, all right. <laughs> I don't like that. That part like is the least convincing to me. You know? Yeah. It's like, yeah, no, that's a, that's a very good point. Uh, and yeah. So like, I, I mean, I like it. I just, I just wish that the cop stuff would go away. Gotcha. Um, I wonder maybe that will go away. Like once it's more established. Yeah, it like, might. If you look at, say, this first season of Smallville, it was very kryptonite monster of the week. Like, somebody gets a hold of a shard from Clark's spaceship, turns him into a monster, and then Clark has to, like, you know, take them down without people realizing he's Superman. Uh, and then it was seemed like in the second season, it started evolving into, like, more. Right. And I don't mean to, like, sound down on the show. Like, it was... It was fun. The acting was really good. There were like some really like I don't know, but like at the same time that like they wouldn't, they're not getting away from the cop drama. Like in the first, um, in the first scene or a second scene, you see this um, guy. And it's implied that he just went down on a bartender behind the bar. Okay. And so it was like a very like HBO Showtime-esque thing to do where they're like, we're, we're competing with HBO Showtime AMC, but not in like the content, you know, like in that, like, whoa, that just happened. Did that just happen? Did I just see that on TV? Um, they're trying to compete there a little bit where they can't because they're a network. But they're not competing, you know, where it counts, you know, like in the meat of the show. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, that's a really good point. Uh, hmm. Yeah, and unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to watch it uh, either um, the first episode or the second episode last night. But uh, hopefully, it'll get better. Yeah, yeah, I, I hope so. Yeah. Do you think you're going to continue watching it? Um, uh, maybe. Like, it's one of those things where I'm like, well, you know, I've got, like, I'm trying to catch up on some of The Walking Dead. Mm -hmm. I'm like, you know, there's... You know, so far behind The Walking Dead. Yeah. There's <laughs> so many things that I want to watch that, like, I'll add it to the list that I would like to watch it just to know what's going on, you know? Mm. Um, but I don't want to, like, be like, yes, I'm definitely in, you know? But it's it's... I want it to be on my radar. Mm. So gotcha. there you go. So uh, I would put it above Gotham. Okay. That does not say much, but <laughs> okay. Well, that's, but that's good though. Cause they're both on Fox. So it's, it's above it's Gotham below Supergirl. Okay. okay. Supergirl's a little bit more fun. Like mm. it knows what it is. Right. 
And that that makes sense to me. Like, I feel like it's easier to figure out a Supergirl show than figuring out a Lucifer show. Well, I feel like sometimes I don't watch Supergirl because it's the the Flash. If what do you, you mean? I mean, like, it's well, okay. You don't watch either, so that that's not a very good comparison for you. I'm like, this is like a show that you don't watch. Uh, I'm comparing a show, another show you don't watch, to another show you don't watch. Um, but like, it's a very like lighthearted show with mm. like uh, the characters are fairly similar, but um, you know, it's it's a girl and she has a little bit more powers. Gotcha. Um, now, speaking of the Lucifer comic, I love these first two issues. I, I think I'm hooked on this series. Um, the art was so, so, so good. Yeah, Lee Garbutt's art. I, like, I love him. He did the art on um, Brian K. Miller's Stephanie Brown Batgirl series for a while. Oh, okay. And, uh, and you know, just gorgeous art. Um, and he's done a bunch of other stuff, too. Um, and yeah, so like yeah, he he is just fantastic. But he he did the Batgirl Rising um, trade for, uh, for for that Stephanie Brown Batgirl arc, the first arc of it. And, oh, okay. Yeah, this this book is stunning. Like, and he's another artist that just captures emotion really well. Like his his faces tell stories. Yeah, this this book reminded me of I think it's called uh, a murder mystery or the murder mystery or. Murder Mysteries hmm. uh, by Neil Gaiman, okay. um, and it's um, uh, it's it's about like a murder mystery in heaven, and two angels are sent out to, um, you know, figure out what happened. Hmm. And um, it's a really really good book. Yeah, and, I'm not familiar. It's a prose novel or a graphic novel. Um, much like. Neil Gaiman stuff like you could get it. I think he did it as an audio play. I think you could get it as like a short story, and it's also a graphic novel. That's funny. Um, which I love about Neil Gaiman because he makes good choices in each of those things, and I think it's almost like an exercise of how the the mediums are different. Mm. And um, I mean, same thing as like Neverwhere. Like I think that started out as like a, a TV show, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, so and, and it was a then it became a, a, a novel and, right. and then it became a comic book. Um, so like it's very interesting to see it adapted in all the uh different mediums, you know, right? So, so yeah, but I would definitely, uh, I think you would really like that. Yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to check that out at some point. Um, but Lucifer, man. I like this book so much that they they referenced an issue of Constantine from 1993 in in this, explaining like why the angel Gabriel has no heart, like literally has no heart. Um, and I liked the first two issues so much. I was like, I got to go read that issue of Constantine. And that was a part three of a three part story. And I was like, I got to read all three issues of this. And it was a a, uh, a Garth Ennis, Stephen Steve Dillon um, team up on, right. on on Hellblazer. And man, Hell Hellblazer is so much darker than this Lucifer series is. Like this, that that Hell those Hellblazer issues from 1993. I was like, if I was reading Hellblazer back then, like I would be like a paranoid schizophrenic today. <laughs> like, like it is, it is a messed up comic book. Yes, yes, it is. 
and I, I, it's funny because I, I just like I enjoyed it, but and so, so much of it. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm not talking about Lucifer here. I've gone off on this Hellblazer tangent. So much of Hellblazer, like this three issues too, seemed on one hand to be very um, current events focused for 1993, which is part of like I think what made the comic, you know, like such a critical darling is that like it worked in um, plights in Europe and stuff into its stories and like well, real world events. That was the one thing that I think, I think Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons, I think, was it Dave Gibbons who created Constantine? Maybe not, but Alan Moore. Right, because he first he, appeared in the Swamp Thing issue. Right, and he, he wanted um, Constantine to age or maybe it was the editors or maybe it was the joint thing they wanted constantine to age naturally i i think he was like i noticed i noted that during these issues because he talks about like oh this isn't 1983 like three anymore and i was like i think he's actually referencing a comic book from 1983 um yeah so like by the end of the hellblazer run he's like in his 50s right and like at uh in this issue from like 1993 he talks about just turning 40 right uh, so like, like he's he's aging in real time with the audience so right like that's something that that you know is pretty cool that they did over there in vertigo um to yeah, the yeah. end of his series and i i do like that this lucifer book is really like tying into old school vertigo comics in a way that we don't really see because it seems like vertigo is kind of like becoming like DC's image or DC's Oni. Um, but this Lucifer series, besides being the same character from the Sandman and the previous Mike Carey Lucifer series, um, you know, they, they make specific reference to Hellblazer here. And then in issue number three, he's heading into the de the dreaming to, and he's going to be talking to Morpheus. Right. Or Daniel, you know, dreaming. Yeah. I feel like DC and Vertigo have had like this like really weird relationship with their like company owned characters. Right. Um, so like, you know, a lot of books that are published or trade paperbacks that are published under the Vertigo banner now um, were or originally DC comics. Like all of that Swamp Thing run, that's all DC comics. Like Yeah, because Vertigo didn't exist at the time. Right. I don't think it it existed until like partially the way through sandman uh that is true um vertigo i remember when vertigo launched it was in the early 90s right uh, and and so with that like then like there were stories that swamp thing doom patrol sandman they're all set in the dc universe mm. and so you know Sometimes you'd see Vertigo characters in the DC Comics, and then DC Comics is like, we don't really do that a lot because we don't want kids to start reading that other stuff. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, well, and that's that's kind of the thing. Like, if you read the first trade of Sandman, he interacts with Batman and Martian Manhunter and Mr. And, Miracle and Etrigan and, the Demon. And, yeah, and Element Girl and Metamorpho um, and. Uh, What's her name? Um, Fury plays oh, right. like a big part of the yeah. basically the Infinity Incorporated version of Fury plays a big part in an early Sandman story, but then kind of like becomes her own character in the Sandman Vertigo verse that kind of diverged from 
the main DC universe um, once Vertigo actually proper started existing. Right. Um, and then, yeah, but then afterwards, like Sandman ends and Death appears in Action, action Comics. Daniel appears in an ep- in an issue of uh, Grant Morrison's Justice Jail. League. Yeah, yeah, yeah. J- Jail yeah, back. Yeah. yeah, and so like I kind of think that like you know Hypertime is the best answer for all this. Yeah, um, I like I I think it's something you know you, you just can't think too much about. Uh, and I remember like a comic book store employee giving me a hard time about that once. And he was like, "Well, how do you explain this, this, and this?" And I was like, "Well, I, I, like then you're you're missing the forest for the trees, you know?" And like you don't want to stare too closely at like your TV. Like, you don't, you don't want to like get right up to the painting and see right. like all the brush strokes. Like, yeah. or I mean, you could, if you, yeah, 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 you could. I mean, I think what you're trying to say is that like, don't let that, like there's these like weird continuity things that don't necessarily line up and you try to figure out how it works. Just let it work. Yeah, unless you want characters to age in real time like Constantine. And right. then what's going to happen then is they decide, like, oh, we're going to DH him and bring him into the main DC universe on Brightest Day. Well, I think, you know, it kind of ran its course. Like, he was 50 years old. Right. You know. And that's the problem. Is like, yeah, okay, then, like, right now, Spider-Man would be a senior citizen. <laughs> right. And so that was a cool thing to do with one character. Right. And that was his story. Like, that. Like if you read Hellblazer from, like, you know, I don't think I could. I think my eyes would fall out. Like, <laughs> well, beginning, I, beginning to end, like, then, you know, like, that's a really cool thing that, like, that character aged. Like, I think my eyes would bleed um, and, like, boils would appear in my face. Like, my eyes would catch fire and bleed at the same time if I yeah. attempted to read Hellblazer from beginning to end. I don't know, like, how far I'd get into it. It's just, it is way too dark for me. <laughs> and like no offense uh, who, who wrote the the book that you were reading garth ennis okay yeah and, okay and, and i remember reading like some of his other hellblazer stuff in the past like i think i read the son of man storyline that he did with steve Dillon, and mm-hmm. i was like this is what hellblazer is like that was my introduction to like, like a hellblazer comic and i was like yeah no i don't think so <laughs> i was like um, I, I could deal with like the darkness of like neil gaiman and sandman but like that's got like a fantastical element to it. Yeah. This is just like John Constantine wading through crap, basically. Yeah. Well, on that note, are you going to buy issue number three? Of Lucifer? Yes, yes, definitely. I'm in, especially because they're going to the dreaming. It's not just another like Lucifer and Gabriel, you know, palling around and palling around. It's a little strong. Um, Los Angeles, like they're, they're men on a mission and now they're, they're going into the dreaming. This 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 has me hooked. Um, yeah, I'm I'm in for number three yeah. at least. And and just to go back to Hellblazer for a second, I will say this: like Garth Ennis is all about like Catholic guilt. Like uh, Gabriel <laughs> the angel, like in this issue of Lucifer, makes it sound like Lucifer was responsible for him having his heart ripped out, but it was actually like a demon that he got tricked into having sex with, and it was like. It, it, like if you if you want your Catholic kid to like not have sex before a marriage, have him read this comic because he'll think all women are demons that are like going to rip his heart out. Um, it's very similar, I remember, to when I read American Gods. There's a scene early in that book where like a guy has like sex with a woman he just met, and she ends up being like like a Black Widow type god, and like like eats his penis, and like it's like all right, 
Yeah, you're reading this like lonely guy. You're, you're going to be afraid to like touch a woman. Doesn't she? Doesn't she do more than that? She, yeah, yeah. I, I read the book like 15 years ago. I, I read that book twice. I really uh, liked it. I, I liked um, it a lot too. I and I um I read. I the remember my, my friend like really liking it, and like saying like loaning it to like his girlfriend's uh, mom at the time, and she read that scene, and she was like. It gets really interesting in the beginning. What did yeah. you think about that scene? That's really like, uh, her, like, like if I, I could remember this wrong. Didn't her vagina have like teeth? Yeah, and I think she just consumed his whole body. Right, right. Yeah, but the whole part of like vagina having teeth and the first thing she bites off is his is his penis is like that's where I was like ah I'm scarred for life. <laughs> uh, anyway, what's in your twenty? What's in my 20? If there was a new issue of Lucifer this week, it would be in my 20. Uh, sadly, there isn't. So instead... Spawn? What, uh, Spawn, yes. Believe it or not. First time Spawn has made it into my 20. Spawn number 260 by Todd McFarlane and Eric Larson. I am on an Agents of Hell kick, I guess. Or maybe it's the fact that Todd McFarlane and Eric Larson are teaming up for the writing and the art of this issue. It's only three bucks. It's a dollar cheaper than almost every comic on the market. So it's a bargain. And 15-year-old me like saw that solicit and it was like doing backflips. It was like, oh my God, it's 1994 all over again. <laughs> and the book's actually yeah. coming out. I'm like Image United. That's awesome. Wow. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, I am going to add that to my list. Somebody recently was like, uh, when's Image United finishing? And it's like, uh, yeah, right after Daredevil Target does. <laughs> um yeah who knew jam book by all the image artists wasn't going to come out on time <laughs> uh also in my 20 is um the latest issue of contest of champions number five by al ewing and paco medina they've been the team on this book since the start uh it is great it is as i say every month much better than a comic book based on a iphone game should be um <laughs> And it, it's fantastic. And actually, the iPhone game is a lot of fun, too. Uh, iPhone and Android game. So that's $4. So I'm up to $7. Next thing is the new Deadpool series. Unlike mm -hmm. Fantastic Four and X-Men, Marvel is really, like, cashing in on the Deadpool movie coming out next week. And uh, this series is called Deadpool and the Mercs for Money, number one. It's written by Colin Bunn, art by Salva Esprin. Um, this book is, like... Deadpool team up, but it's Deadpool with like a team of mercenaries, but they're all like 80s and 90s, like Marvel C-list and D-list glory. Like it's crazy. It's Stingray, Massacre, Solo, Fool Killer, Terror from Terror Incorporated, if you remember that series, <laughs> um, and Slapstick. And like, Loose Cannon. Yeah, like seriously, if Loose Cannon was a Marvel character, he would be in this. <laughs> like, or at least Gunfire would be, you know, like like Oh yeah, yeah, Gunfire definitely would be i don't think i remember mask like stingray was on the avengers in the 1980s. Yeah, i remember stingray solo uh was in a lot of david michelaney's uh spider-man run especially like when todd mcfarlane was on the book foo killer used to dress kind of like a pirate then in the 90s started dressing like the gimp from pulp fiction really weird like he took like a darker turn uh terror incorporated was another comic from the 90s where it was uh, like kind of like a zombie assassin. Like he would kill people, and like like he was constantly rotting. So he'd like kill somebody and like put their arm on his body. 
he was kind of like a zombie, but kind of like a Frankenstein's monster. Mm. Uh, but, you know, sentient, like with full use of his brain. Uh, it's kind of weird. He wore a trench coat, I think, to cover up the fact that he was just a rotting piece of flesh. Uh, did not do terribly well. And then Slapstick was like an actual cartoon character come to life in the Marvel Universe. Anyway, this book like seems so ridiculous that I cannot not buy it. Um, so that's Deadpool and the Mercs for Money. Great title. Number one, that's $4. So now I'm up to $11 for anyone keeping track. So I'm going to jump to Spider-Man number one. Uh, interestingly enough, this is only volume two of Adjectiveless Spider-Man. Uh, the first Spider-Man series was the Todd McFarlane written and drawn series. Oh, wow. 1993, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that ran for, I think, 100 or so issues. Um, and this is the first time that we're getting an actually an adjective with Spider-Man since then. Um, and this is basically the Miles Morales comic of Miles Morales in the main Marvel Universe, written by Brian Michael Bendis, art by Sarah Pacelli, who is, you know, if, like, definitely the writer that you associate with Ultimate Spider-Man, Miles Morales, uh, mm -hmm. and one of the artists that you would associate with him. Um, yeah, so I'm excited for this. This is big. I, I want to see what is different for Miles now. Like, I have so many questions because his mom is alive. That we we found that out at the end of Secret Wars. Oh, so okay. Did she die and like she was somehow, you know, like resurrected in this new timeline? Like, I, I mean, does he remember her dying? And like, does he remember being in the Ultimate Marvel Universe? Or have they like weaved him into existing into this new earth now? Because hmm. like part of me thinks that he's weaved in, but like if you look at Squadron Supreme, they remember their old earths. Right. So now in which case are you a teenager from another planet whose mom was dead, who finds himself on a new earth and has been cosmically rewarded with his mom being alive again? In which case, like, this is just trippy, man. Like, I feel like I should yeah. be listening to, like, some Grateful Dead albums as I talk about this. Uh, but, yeah, so that's another $4 comic that gets me up to 15 bucks. And so I'm picking up to round it out to 20 Howard the Duck number 5 by Chip Zdarsky and Danilio Beiruth. Um, I'm not a fan of the $5 price tag on this series, but it is really, really good. Uh, Chip Zdarsky, like, is actually a great writer and a very funny writer, too. So uh, I highly recommend the Howard the Duck series. If you haven't been picking it up, look for the trade when it comes out because $5 an issue is tough to grapple. Yes. Yeah. So that's it. That's my 20. And it's $20 this week, not $10 like last week. <laughs> um, so mine started out at 12. Hmm. I, was I, talk, to... I talked you up to 15, huh? Uh, you, you talked me up maybe a little more than that. Oh, nice. So... Um... Scarlet Witch, number three, by James Robinson and Marco Rudy. And there's a new um, artist this issue, right? Yeah. And um, we're finally getting to bring in Emerald Warlock, which we saw in the uh, Uncanny Avengers annual that James yes. Robinson wrote. Um, and in this issue, we're going to see more of Wanda's past and her family history. So I think now that her and Quicksilver are in humans uh i believe right um yeah. we're gonna see what what that has in store for her um mm. so that should be interesting um i'm also I i've been say, i'm not a fan of the whole make them inhumans thing like 
I don't know. It's just like I I get it, but I I just don't like it. I understand that. Um, it doesn't bother me one way or the other, but I'm not like fans of the characters. You know, like I'm not like I'm reading it because of the writer. You know, but if James Robinson wasn't writing the Scarlet Witch, I would not pay any attention to this. Fair enough. And and she wasn't made inhuman due to James Robinson. That happened in Rick Remender's. it happened at the end of Axis and then was followed up in his Uncanny Avengers series. Right. And I think on top of that, it's like probably dictated by like what they want to do with movies and stuff. Oh, totally. It's totally a corporate move and it's to make them not X-Men characters and make them Avengers characters solely and, you know, basically like screw over mutants until Marvel gets the rights back to the X-Men. Right. Yeah. And uh, next up is Green Arrow, number 49. Uh by Ben Percy and Simon Kurdansky. And I've been really liking the series. And uh, yeah, and we're into the second arc that's going on, the Lucos storyline, which is kind of like a werewolf vampire type thing slash AIDS type story. Um, anyway, uh, and you sold me on Spider-Man number one. I didn't... I didn't see that coming out, and I was like, "Oh, I don't ah. know why." Probably because I usually pass over Marvel if it doesn't have like a Robinson or a Lemire on the title. Okay. Um, but uh, I, I really liked the Miles Morales uh, series when it started, and you know, I, I fell off it just because like it got wrapped up in the rest of the Ultimate Universe. Um, but this this looks like a nice jumping on point, and uh, Spawn number two sixty like. That just sounds pretty cool. Like, I mean, I wasn't huge Todd McFarlane or Eric Larson fan when I was a kid, but like, I so was. <laughs> but like this, you know, like I didn't grow up in the '90s and not read Todd McFarlane and Eric Larson. <laughs> yeah, I I might have like I might have been very very depressed when Todd McFarlane like left Spider Man. Yeah. So so yeah so I I'm gonna add those two guys to. Uh, to my um, 20. And lastly, I'm going to add Batman Europa number four because I read number one uh, this week and it was awesome. So that brings me to $19 and also brings me to my comic book reviews. Oh, nice. Uh, so what did you read this week? Well, I grabbed um, Batman Europa number one, which, you know, uh, was only $4 on, uh, you know, uh, the the comiXology app as they it, it was reduced in price because it's been like two months now or so um and you're right it's this book is gorgeous looking and um i i think they're rotating the art right on this book like it's a different artist every issue yeah and um this is how batman's inner monologue should be uh yeah no i agree um so yeah so i i really enjoyed that and i i'm glad you made that recommendation because i'm going to keep following that series um i also read the adventures of supergirl number one and arrow the dark arch archer i didn't even realize these came out these are both digital books right yeah yeah so like they come out like once a week um Mm -hmm. and they're like a third the length of a comic and that's how dc does their digital first stuff and they're all really good like as far as like introductions go but it's also like 
really hard to get hooked. Mm. Interesting. Because it's just like a third of a comic. Oh, okay. Yeah, totally. So, like, that's tough. So I'm like, oh, like, this is good. But, you know, usually, like, I'm like, oh, like, every time I pick up a digital series, I'll, or digital first series, I'll, um, I'll read, like, what's out there. And I'm like, oh, this is good. This is good. This is good. I'm reading this one, this one, this mm -hmm. one, this one. And I get to the end, and then I'm like, oh, I'll read it next week. And then I read it next week. And then I'm like, I'll read it next week. And then I'm like, oh, yeah. And then, like, <laughs> the momentum dies, like, even more than, like, reading single issues of a story that, could be a trade paperback and they trade all of this stuff too so like eventually it ends in a trade you know so um it it, it has like a really weird shelf life like it goes digital first and it goes to the print stands and you have your collected three issues into one and then finally like they collect like you know like five to ten you know depending on the you know story length of you know the print issues into a trade paperback which right. probably reads great so <laughs> um so yeah these both are great but i just might hold off on them for a while and it's sterling gates who's writing the supergirl series right yeah and i mean he knows that character very well right now does does it is it set in the world of the tv show yes both okay. of these are gotcha. and and all of their tv stuff is usually digital first Right. I knew Dark Archer was because that's even that's written by John Barrowman and his sister, right? Right, right. And his that was sister. good. But yeah, again, like I like I was like, okay, this is good. Now yeah, so how did it More. feel reading Barrowman's writing? I don't think I've ever read anything written by John Barrowman. Um, it was good. I mean, like he knows how Merlin talks. Okay. So it was it was a good it was a good read. Like all these were good reads, but just not enough. For me to be like, I want to come back and read like three more pages next week. I mean, it's more than three pages, but you know, that's kind of what it feels like. Gotcha. Yeah. No, I, I totally get that. And that's kind of why I never really got into the digital first comics was like the length of them. Yeah. Um, then next up, uh, I read uh, Old Man Logan number one by Jeff Lemire and Andrea Sorrentino. I came very close to picking this up and reading it this week. I just got caught up in other stuff. It's so good. Really? Um, it was my favorite book of the week. So you liked it better than the other Jeff Lemire, Old Man Logan book? <laughs> yeah, Extraordinary X-Men number six. Yeah. Um, that was good. Um, like, it was interesting. Like, that book's, like, interesting, and it keeps me coming back, because, like, but it doesn't, like, have the meat that Old Man Logan does. Like, mm. in, in here, you find out, like, Storm wants Logan on the team in case, like, you know, stuff goes down, and she's like, you could kill somebody for me basically and mm. old old Iceman or you know present day Iceman comes out of the closet uh that's really interesting uh so like it's interesting stuff but it's not like blow your mind stuff right. but old man logan is just so like he uh, it starts where he like wakes up in times square naked after um secret wars i guess mm. and he's like why am i in the present and all the stuff that happened in Mark Millar's Old Man Logan hasn't happened. And he's like, I'm gonna make sure it doesn't happen. Ah. In the premise of the series. And so he writes a list of everyone he's gonna make sure doesn't exist. So that pres that that future doesn't become a reality. Gotcha. Uh it's awesome. 
And that's in Old Man Logan number one, not in Extraordinary X-Men number six. Right. Extraordinary X-Men number six, they go to Weird World. Uh, it gets weird, you know, <laughs> but it was, good, it was a good read. I, I enjoyed it. That's cool. Uh, I actually am really interested in picking up that issue now just because of Iceman coming out of the closet. Because that's something I remember going back as far as like the mid to late 90s being on like comic book news groups on Usenet. And like people talking about like Iceman possibly being gay, hmm. uh, and it's something that like some creators have hinted at over the years. And like I remember during uh, Morrison's run on X Men, I don't think he wanted to make Iceman come out of the closet, but somebody did. Um, like a, a, the writer who was writing on Candy X Men at the time, and then like there was some kind of like fan flack about it. You know, people got into, like their panties in a bunch. And it's funny. I remember people being like, "You can't make Iceman gay." Like Iceman's, you know, the character I relate to, as if like you can't relate to somebody who's gay. You know, like <laughs> like oh, he doesn't want to have sex with women. Like I can't right. relate to him anymore. Like we like the same things. I might like guys too. Yeah, exactly. And like, but not only that, but that's like saying like you you can't like you can't uh, have Peter Parker get married because. You know, I'm I can't hold down a job, and I, I get, beautiful redheads don't want to date me. Like, <laughs> right? Like, like, and but but the and then it, except like much more bigoted. <laughs> right, right. Um, and uh, and they, I remember Marvel pulling back on that and claiming that there was never any plan to make Iceman gay. Um, well, I, think, I mean, I don't feel like Grant Morrison was against it because he was. Uh, homophobic like in his uh, no 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 uh, grant morrison wasn't against like, it I, I think it wasn't grant morrison who whose idea it was i think it was uh oh i see what who, you're saying like because i don't think Iceman was in the grant uh, morrison chuck series. austin was writing at the same time right uh yeah but i don't think it might have i think it was uh not jeff Loeb, but the guy who i always confuse with jeff Loeb, who like was popular with jeff Loeb around they, they got lobdell no jeff something uh and I'd have to like Jeff Johns. No, it, it's like a a, a Marvel writer. Uh, it, it, and like we're just gonna go through every Jeff. Jeff Parker. No, I uh, Jeff Lemire. No, he actually yeah. did make Guys Man Gay. Yeah, which is crazy. You know, after like Brian Michael Bendis did uh, like with Young Ice Man. Um, I honestly, I, 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 I yeah. Let's let's move on and. And I'll, I'll try to come up with the name of the writer. It is definitely Jeff something. And it's going to be like Bob Gale. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah, and this is going to be like great listening experience. of Billy just going, um, no, you know, the guy. I just remember him being very douchey looking in an issue of Wizard Magazine. Like He was one of Wizard's top writers. And he wore like sunglasses to like the Wizard photo shoot and had his hair in that very 1990s parted down the middle look. Um, oh wait! Grapes. I, I have, I, I have found an issue. Like it was the Poptopia era of X Men, and that was written by uh, Jesus Christ. I'm not good at this. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, anyway. So, so well, the rest, the rest of the books I read this week. I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit them quick. So, just I read a lot, so that's why I'm going to hit him quick. Okay, sounds um, good. Justice League 3001 uh, by Jam Demetis and Keith Giffen. And th this book 
had Colleen Duran doing art. And oh my God, it was the best issue of Justice League 3001 ever. I laughed out loud. Like usually I, I, I'm like, <laughs> that's funny, like in my head. But like I laughed out loud because she is such an amazing artist. Um, I think I like Scott Collins better than Howard Porter, who's the regular series artist. But throw them all out for Colleen Duran. She's the best. Um, next up, Justice League of America number five by Matt Kent, Rob Williams, and Philip Tan. And this is really weird because this sits in the middle of uh, uh, what's his name's arc of Justice League of America. Um, why am I blanking? Uh, Brian Hitch. So mm -hmm. he's writing and doing the art, and he needed some time. So they're like, we've got an issue in the bank from Matt Kent and Rob Williams. And basically, oh. um, Matt Kent was writing all these Martian Manhunter backups right. in Justice League of America when Jeff Johns was writing it, mm -hmm. like three years ago, two years ago. Yeah. Um, two years ago, right around when we started this podcast, I think. And uh, Rob Williams is currently writing... Uh, Martian Manhunter. So this is like a nice transition from those backups to the current series. Like they like tie it all together. So that was like really cool, but like a really weird place for it to be, you know, <laughs> um, like a second volume of Justice League of America that has nothing to do with the first one, you know. And hmm. um, so anyway, uh, Martian Manhunter. Casey. Oh, Joe Casey. Yeah. yeah. I think it was during his run. Um the, he he wrote Uncanny when uh Grant Morrison was writing X New X-Men. And I think there were plans uh that was back when Bleeding Cool didn't even exist. And you know, it was just the lying in the gutters column on Concrete right, Resources. On CBR, right. Yeah. Um and I believe that's when Marvel was talking about like making Iceman come out of the closet. And there was a pretty large fan outcry about it back then. I could be wrong about like exactly who was on the book at the time, but I do remember like talking to fans and like reading fan reaction on the internet and people really freaking out about this. And I always thought it was a stupid thing to freak out about. Yeah, that's so goofy. Like it, and and like normal, re what would other be considered like reasonable people like suddenly got like really homophobic. Um, and I'm glad that like our country is moving and the world in general is moving more to a place of acceptance as like time goes on. Cause like it, it's, it's not like, I, I, I don't know. It's just, I, I don't get people making a big deal about people being gay, you know, like, like it's, yeah. it's not a reason to hate somebody, hate somebody cause they're a jerk. <laughs> not because like who they want to fall in love with or this who is... they fall in love with. Right. Anyway, sorry, that's my rant for the episode. So, um, yeah. yeah. Well, anyway. But since we're talking politics, I will say this. Reading those Hellblazer issues, I didn't re read... There's a, a bigoted, like, politician in there, and he comes across as very 1993, and he also comes across as very Donald Trump. And it's kind of scary, because he talks about exactly what Donald Trump's strategy is, about, like, making people fearful of brown people, and... Uh, and I was like, wow, this could have been written today. And that might be the scariest thing about those three Hellblazer issues. Oh, did you see our friend posted on our, our group chat that uh, Marvel's CEO donated a million dollars to Donald Trump? I did not see that. Yeah. Oh, that's gross. I'm going to have to look at this article. Yeah. Um, oh, that's disgusting. Ugh. 
Oh, gross. Yeah. What a bad taste that just left in my mouth. Yeah. So he's like, are you guys not buying Marvel Comics uh, now? And, <laughs> well, you know what I said? I was like, look, like I've worked for like many bosses right. and many owners who are all jerks. Yeah. And most yeah. of them, like I know one in particular who I worked for who's definitely voting for Donald Trump and might have even sent money his way. And, you know, you can't fault a company for, or right. you can't fault a company for hiring does a it. person who does something with their personal money. Like, you don't know, like, what people do with their paychecks once they get them. And that's no, has no relevance to the company in, in some regard. Um, but, like, Chick-fil-A, who was, uh, like, supporting anti-gay marriage i think it was or, right. or something like that and like they were using corporate money to do that yeah that's very different and that's very different then you're saying like well if i go to this company and you know you know i i know that my money is partially going to go or possibly partially going to go to support this you know political thing or this you know belief and so if you know, that's where you make your company political then, you know, but if it's someone's personal money, like, uh, like it, it does make me like go, oh, when I buy a, a Marvel comic, but you know, I might still buy a Marvel comic. <laughs> yeah, no, I, well, I think this, yeah, I, I don't plan on boycotting Marvel over this. Right. I don't know if that's the greatest press, but you know. Yeah, totally. Um, I also read the last issue of Bizarro. Which was really good. Oh yeah, the Heath Corson series. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, and uh, yeah, that was really good. And uh, I read MPH. That's the Vertigo anthology. No, it's the Mark Millar. Um, it was like the Neil Patrick Harris bio bio comic. No, it's uh, Mark Millar and uh, Duncan Figredo. Um, and it's their like take on someone with super speed, and like he's like everybody like oh NPH. I thought you said NPH. Like oh yes, yeah, miles per hour. Gotcha. Okay. And it's very like the trick he pulls off in here is very uh, Superman Red Sun, and you would probably see it coming if you read Mark Millar comics, um, and his pitch for this was like what if the flash were real what if you know um real people got the flash's power not a superhero this is what would happen and this is much better than his chrononauts mm. which was like what if like jerks got time travel abilities these were like real world people and like they had you know consequences and you know they weren't just, you know, like we're we're just a bunch of jerks who are gonna do whatever we want to do. Um, this had a little bit more heart and a little bit more connectivity to it. But um, I also read Cal's Volume One and Two, and I had read Volume One uh, maybe like a year ago, mm. but I reread when I was gonna read Volume Two, and that's that's it for that that Cal series. Like it's just a volume one and volume two that's it and uh it tells a, a story that's very real like mm. 
And it kind of makes when Mark Millar is like, this is a realistic story about what people would do if they got Flash's powers or time travel powers. It kind of makes it almost seem laughable because this combines like Mad Men, The Wire <laughs> with like superhero type stuff. And, you know, it, it makes you think about like, you, you know, you have really good people in there and you have like horrible people and, you know, the good guys don't always win, but it, 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 it feels real and, and, and there are real consequences. And um, yeah, like, so Kyle Higgins and um, uh, I'm blanking on the artist, um, but Kyle Higgins wrote a story here that, you know, if you want to read a story about how real superheroes and supervillains and superpowers would be handled in the real world, read this comic. It's great. And, uh, you know, it's, it's not badass, <laughs> mm. you know, like, and that's what I get from Mark Millar, like being badass, doing badass things. And sometimes like it, it, it works fairly well. Sometimes it doesn't. And miles per hour or MPH works as far as Mark Millar books go. But if you're comparing like a great story with something that's super realistic, go with cal gotcha and you have to like there's also things in 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 both books like i was like oh i'm so tired i but i want to read something and i read mph and i read it and i understood all of it like i didn't continue reading cal at that point i had to give a break because like you have to pay attention to the characters who the characters are what they're doing what the plots are what like you know you can't like do other stuff while you're watching uh, while you're uh reading cal mm. and um so cal is uh my collection pick of the week nice so that's what i read yeah i've, I've never really heard of cal before i gotta look into that cal yeah you have oh cal, cal duh, I'm, I'm an idiot i i thought you're saying cal Oh, and so no. it's funny because I I heard you say Cal earlier, the Kyle Higgins book, and then for some reason I just got confused with all the Superman Red Sun talk, and then you said something about Cal, and I'm like, is this another Superman comic? I'm like, oh, no, no, Cal, yeah, third comic that you're talking about. I was like, you talked to Kyle Higgins about this comic. Yeah, okay, yeah, I thought it was a third comic that you're talking about. Sorry, I just misheard you. Um, whoops, my bad. <laughs> uh yeah so, uh the only other things i read this week um uh, besides you know having my eyes melt from reading hellblazer and falling in love with lucifer is i finished up jonathan hickman's fantastic four and ff run man loved it um it of course plays into secret wars so well like i think you know even more so than avengers does of course i haven't read most of his avengers run but i'm like yeah yeah it totally plays in more than avengers does um, and I, I just want to read like every Jonathan Hickman Marvel comic now. So I've gone back and I'm starting at Secret Warriors and I'm going to go into S.H.I.E.L.D. And then once I finish those, I'm going to go into his Avengers run. So okay. I, I, would, I would read S.H.I.E.L.D. first. Oh, because I thought Secret Warriors started first. It did, but S.H.I.E.L.D. kind of plays into... Like, even though Secret Warriors is about S.H.I.E.L.D. people, like... Right. Shield kind of plays into Fantastic Four more than it does with Shield. Yeah, gotcha. Okay, I'll uh, 
I'll do that. Okay, because I only read the the first issue of Secret Warriors, which was co-written by Brian Michael Bendis, because it was coming out of uh, Secret Wars. Right. And so I think, yeah, I think you'll like Secret Warriors, but I feel like Shield will like tie in a little bit more to Fantastic Four. Okay. Than, cool. Uh, yeah, because uh, Nathaniel Richards has a part to play in Shield, right? Right. Yeah, I, I read that in the letters pages of Fantastic Four. I like that Marvel includes those in their digital unlimited service. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, nice. Um, but yeah, uh, that's that's cool that you caught up on Cal, because I read Cal Volume 1 in single issues. And I think I bought the single issues for Volume 2 in a sale and just never got around to reading them. So I did. Oh, OK. Yeah, read them. You. Uh, yeah. Yeah, the end's pretty awesome. Like, it's not like an end where you're like, yes, but you're like, oh, man. Like, yeah. you, you kind of sit and think on it. Um, so, yeah, definitely, definitely read, finish reading that series. You'll, you'll like it. And the art's just so, so gorgeous. And, and they pay so much attention to the word balloons in that series. And I love it. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, oh, what are we reading next week for uh, book? Uh, Fun Home is that what we decided on? Yeah, yeah. Because you're going to see that, right? Uh, yes, I am. A Broadway show. This is a Broadway show. I, I feel like not many people know this, despite the fact that it won a Tony Award. Not many people know that it was originally um... a comic book. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a it's a graphic novel. It's available on Comicsology, um, and I think like you know, not many comic books make it to uh or comic characters make it to musicals i mean i think most famous is uh annie oh i think you're gonna say spider-man <laughs> like, uh, well, and then i would say second most famous but more infamous yeah more infamous is spider-man turn off the dark uh, and there's off. a superman musical that they made i think that made it to broadway I remember back in the 80s there were ads in the back of marvel comics to audition for the Captain America musical that was coming to Broadway. And they never actually came to Broadway. There was, I don't even think it was ever put into production anywhere. Um, <laughs> like, they were like, we can't let this go to previews. Yeah. Uh, Brian, Brian Coughlin, is that the guy who does the, uh, the comic book Ur Urban Legends on CBR? He did a, he did, uh, yeah. he did a, a really good article on that. That's worth oh. hunting down. Um, yeah, I might pick that up. Because I totally remember those ads. It's like a tap dancing Captain America with like a, like, Picking up a top hat off his head. It's it's very weird. Um, but I remember those ads as a kid, yeah. I just cringed. Hmm. So, yeah. Let's do it. All right, let's do it. So next week, Fun Home. If you've never read Fun Home, is that a Vertigo comic? Who published that? Um, Who published that? Um, it's not Vertigo. It's, I think, an actual book publisher. Okay. Um, Mariner. Okay, so... Fun home, check it out. You should be able to find it digitally and in print. Um, Houghton Mifflin Harcourt by Allison Bestell. And uh, yeah, Fun Home, subtitled a, a family tragic comic. It's a 2006 graphic memoir by American writer Allison Bestell. Offer the comic book strip Dykes to Watch Out For. That's according to Wikipedia. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, yeah. I, read, I read the first couple of pages so far. And uh, it it kind of gave me the uh, the blankets vibe. If you read that, gotcha. I have not read blankets yet. I got to read that too. So, 
All right. Cool. All right. Well, that's it for this week. Thank you, everybody, for listening and for getting through my Joe Casey brain fart. It wasn't Jeff Loop who I confused it with. It was Joe Kelly. Joe Kelly and Joe Casey both came like on the scene around the same time in the 1990s. Yeah, and they, they wrote Superman comics, I think, around the same time. Yes. Or together. And for and and I, I didn't know who was who for a while until like Joe Kelly is the writer of my one of my favorite comic books ever, Deadpool number eleven, where it's basically rewritten like uh, old issue of Spider Man, where they right. actually used like the old Spider Man art, which was just out of ninety nine cents sale in Comicsology this past week, and I hope people bought it because it is one of the best comics ever written. <laughs> uh, so that's Joe Kelly. Joe Casey, on the other hand was the guy who liked to wear sunglasses in his wizard top 10 hottest writers like photo. Like it was a, it was like a pink t-shirt, a leather jacket and sunglasses, but like flop over hair. He looked like a 1990s, like secret identity of a, of a superhero. Cause I feel like that's how <laughs> artists like drew in the 1990s too. That's funny. Yeah. Anyway, I'm just rambling now. Everybody have a great week and an awesome Tuesday night. Dave, I was waiting for you to chime in with something. Uh, I had nothing. <laughs>